0: Hi, I'm Jeff Jones, and you're listening to The Monarchists.
1: I'm Aaron. And I'm Mike. And you're listening to The Monarchist Podcast. Today, we welcome Dominic Manila, head coach of our Old Dominion women's tennis team. Coach Don played at ODU, worked as an assistant at ODU for three years before taking a position at the John McEnroe Tennis Academy in New York. A year later, Coach Dom returned to ODU It took the reins as head coach of our Monarchs, and ODU Tennis has seen tons of success. The team has won two straight Conference USA titles, reached new heights in both team and individual rankings, and has been named Conference USA Coach of the Year in 2019, 2020, and 2021. Thanks for joining us, Coach.
2: Thanks for having me, guys.
0: So, Coach, congratulations on another great year. So, you've been here since 2011. How does it feel leading your alma mater to new heights? It's got to be pretty special.
2: Oh yeah, I mean it's 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 incredibly special. You know, you know, graduate here in 07, and then you know to have been here so long as the head coach now, and in that capacity, you know, to be doing well means a lot to me. You know, Old Dominion's been a major part of my life. I've been here for almost half of it now. And, you know, so it's it's it, it feels better to do it here than I think it would anywhere else for sure.
1: Coach, we know you grew up in a tennis family. Your dad worked as a tennis pro at Four's Head Sports Club and now serves as the Tournament Director of ATP, WTA events. He's head coach of the US Special Olympics team. So obviously has done tons of awesome stuff that you've been around. Your brother is also an accomplished player who has experienced coaching at the D1 level. How old were you when you realized That you you can make this as a
2: career. I, you know, I I do remember it. It was my my summer going into third grade, so I think I was seven years old, maybe turning eight. I spent that's when my dad was having camps, and you were allowed to go there all day if you were seven. And so I did like kind of an all day camp, and I did that every day all summer. I just kind of fell in love with the game, and because I was there before and after camp, you know, I got a lot of time on the backboard and these types of things. So I started just really loving to play. And obviously when you're young, you want, you think about being a player, not necessarily a coach, but you know, I still have, I have in my office somewhere, I have like a paper I wrote when I was in third grade, when I grew up, I want to be a tennis coach or a a tennis player or a tennis coach. And so I've, I've known for a long time, this is what I, I wanted to do. You know, like you said, my, my brother's a coach. He, well, he used to be a coach. Now he's, he's got out, he got a, he got a real job. We'll say he lives in Chicago, but, um, he used to be a coach. He won a ring with the University of Virginia, and then he coached at the University of Michigan, Central Florida, and then at the University of Iowa. So he's really been around the block as a coach himself. My father is an international master professional with the PTR, so there's not very many of those. He currently serves as the um, the, the head coach or the lead coach for Special Olympics USA. They just won a gold medal in doubles over the weekend, by the way, so that's, that's fantastic. But yeah, you know, coaching's always been kind of in my life and it's been the type of people that i look up to have always been kind of coaches my uncle on my mother's side is a football coach his name is ted Marchibroda. broda my mom's a Marchibroda, broda and so i've you know i grew up going to football games and you know talking to him and then you know when he moved here to weems virginia which isn't very far away you know i had the the privilege to visit him a few times and, and talk to him and so you know Again, you know, coaches have always been the types of people that uh, I look up to in my life. And so, yeah, I've, I feel like I've, I've known I wanted to do this for a while.
1: That's awesome. It sounds like if you ever have a question, you can just reach into the family Rolodex. You don't even have to go to any of your colleagues at other colleges.
2: <laughs> no, I do. I learn, we learn a lot from everybody, you know. So
0: Don, did you say Ted Marchabrode, like the coach of the Colt? Yes, yes, yes. Okay.
2: Yeah. Wow yeah so I, I got to go to super Bowl 25 when he was offensive coordinator for the bills and yeah my mother's been to two super Bowls yeah it's been was awesome. it's, it's pretty cool That's sweet have. so uh I gotta say
0: I feel awful for your brother being at Iowa when he was yeah just to the program when he was a, a coach there right
2: yeah and just kind of at the beginning of the season they kind of let him know but he was already planning on moving on and it was kind of it was kind of a good opportunity anyway so okay
0: thought, yeah. so me and you were both Long. Do you have a favorite memory from your time as a student athlete? Um, Do you think your experience playing here helps
2: with coaching and recruiting here? You know, if I had a favorite memory, it's probably, you know, competing as a player. I got the chance to compete in the NCAA tournament as a player. You know, all all those experiences you get as a player, you know, I think those are probably the memories I cherish the most. You know, then, you know, the the community that, you know, I kind of fell in love with here. You know, I I left and came back, you know, I've. You know, I graduated, could have left, I stayed, and then I left and I came back. So, you know, I, the community and everything has really been important to me and important to my life. So those are the things I take from being an alumni here. You know, with recruiting, in regards to recruiting, yeah, I think it, it, it can help a little bit. I think it helps tug on the heartstrings a little bit with some, with you know, especially with families. My, my brother went here, my sister went here as well. So there's a lot of things I can tie to Old Dominion. And it gives you, it, not that any coaches don't have credibility when they're recruiting their, their team, but you know, it does give you an extra layer of, I feel like it can give you an extra layer of credibility when you're selling that school and you can say, Hey, I fell in love with this place. And, you know, not only that, you know, I'm, I'm an in-state kid. I'm an American, you know, we're recruiting international a lot. So, you know, and I'm, I'm a man, so I don't... Well, I was at that time, I was a boy when I was being recruited. But, you know, on the men's side, the, the scholarship situation is very different. So parents can know that, hey, oh, well, he paid a lot, you know, to play, just kind of like baseball players do. A lot of baseball players have to pay. And so they understand that sacrifice. And then those those parents, my parents have decided that, hey, not only am I going to go there, but my brother and my sister are also going to go there. So, you know, I think it is, it does... You know, kind of encase your your cell a little bit better, and just kind of put a nice little bow on it for it. But I don't think it's ever been the the make or break, you know, for for somebody. You know, yeah, makes sense.
1: So, coach, before you accepted the full time head coaching position at Old Dominion, you were working at the John McEnroe Tennis Academy. Give us a little insight as to what the what the day in the life of Dominello was in New York.
2: Well, it was it was quite hectic, and I think that's one of the reasons I came back pretty quick, (laughs) you know, not that not that not that, you know, being a head coach isn't a lot, but that was just a lot in a different way. It was just a lot of time on court and it was just a lot of just 14 hour days, you know, that takes a lot on you physically and it was tough to get time off and it was just a just that type of environment. But, man, I learned I learned a lot there. You know, I learned, I, man, I, I think the biggest thing I learned is that, you know, professional players are very good. <laughs> and I think that when I was there, you know, being around so many pros, you know, from day to day, because we worked with John every day, you know, I was on court with John every day. And working with those, that level of, of person and, you know, their attitude and how they approach things, and then the level that John can still play, but then, you know, like, Andy Roddick would be around and Jim Courier would be around and, you know, so you'd have people playing there and you saw how good they were. And so it kind of created a different standard for me for good, you know, what, Hey, what's good, you know, and in that world where I was good is, well, you know, you've won a grand slam, you know, and everybody else kind of is like, not that good, you know? So, you know, the players that I was looking at and they were going to college, I never thought they were you know that good coming out of the Academy, but man, they went to the college and they did great. So I, I, I saw a pathway to take somebody and develop them into a D1 college tennis player, and I was able to apply a lot of those lessons that I've learned, you know, because I came from a coach, coaching background already, but I, I kind of, that kind of tidied everything up for me. I learned some new technical stuff, a little bit modern way of looking at the game, and then I was able to come back and apply a lot of those lessons to, to the team. But I I, I will say, though, you know, that that I think understanding the next level goes a long way, you know, and I think that's really helped me here at ODU is just that, hey, you know, for somebody, if you want to have a really good college player, well, they're probably going to be at least a decent pro, you know, at least because if not, then they're probably not a great college player. And, you know, and I've you can when you've seen that level and you've worked with that level, you can see the steps they've taken to get there. You can identify those in the recruits, you know, and you can see the type of kid when they're sixteen. Like, oh yes, this has the, this is the type of person. This is the body type that in eight years is going to be able to withstand a professional type environment and schedule and uh, you know physical load, mental load, etc. And so I think those are the types of things I learned there. And I really enjoyed the the fruits of that because I've applied it here at Old Dominion.
0: So after that, you take the OU head coaching job in 2011. At that point. What was your vision for the program and uh, how much has that changed since then?
2: Well, it's I'm, I'm proud to say we've stuck pretty much to plan. I went in there with a lot of probably a little bit too much paperwork, I had some graphs and all that kind of stuff and you know I had I had lists of content, you know, lists and and these kind of things and I had a I had a one-year plan, a three-year plan, a five-year plan and a 10-year plan. And pretty much everything, you know, which are, really is just a list of objectives that you want to hit every every one of those spots, you know, one, three, five, and 10. And, you know, for, for most of those things we've hit, you know, at the 10 year mark, we're about where we wanted to be competing on a national level. You know, we're competing to get to the sweet 16. You know, I think that's where we wanted to be. If, if I think anybody who's hired, they say, Hey, where do you want to see your program in 10 years? I think that, you know, at a, at a place like old dominion, this is, this is where this is a great place for us to be. So those are, those are some of the things I hit. And, um, the only I had one year with with quite a few injuries I think it was my 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 fifth year, and I felt like that was kind of a step back for us and but in but when I look back at it, it actually wasn't it was it was just we were going and we it was just it was almost like a little plateau you know when you're smoking meat or something and it it just plateaued for for a year, but then it we just accelerated through and since then you've seen us get these these four years in a row, top 25 births. And, you know, had we not had COVID, it would have been four years in a row in the NCAA tournament as well. So, yeah, there, there's that. Yeah. <laughs> so, Coach, that's a great segue.
1: I mean, we're seeing sustained success. It's not a three-year period, great season, back down and up. You, you guys are performing every year. I mean, first ever trip to the National Indoor Championships, multiple Conference USA titles. What would you attribute to being able to keep that quality
2: and the momentum going forward i think retention within your program is important uh, you know i've been fortunate enough that i've been here is going into my 12th season as the head coach so you know I, I this is only my second assistant i've had and you know the assistants you work very closely with and you get you you you, you know you have you really do everything together and you know you spend more time with them than you do the, than you do your spouse to be honest you, know, you travel with them everything And I've been fortunate enough to have two assistants that their vision of the program has aligned very well with my vision of the program. There's never a, hey, there's no, there's no, hey, come on this way or that way from either party. And, you know, like our, our, our eyes are looking the exact same way. And that, that has really helped. And so then, you know, when you have an administration, like I, you know, like my supervisors, Bruce Stewart and uh, Wood Sealing, and I speak to both of them, you know, multiple times a week you know would text me several times a week Bruce I talk to all the time you know and I have great relationship with those guys so you know I think that you know that retention you know I've had Bruce Stewart as a supervisor since I was since I was assistant with the men so I think that's so that would put us at 15 years now I've been working with Bruce so I think that retention and you know the same vision has helped because you have support with decisions that you have to make to keep on track and, you know, sometimes it's like, hey, we've worked six months on this recruit, but, you know, Dom says, hey, she's, she's just not looking the way we want her to, and you got to cut her. And, you know, everybody's on the same, same page. They all, they all turn around. We, we, we all get together. We look at it, and we, we let it go. And, you know, that's, that's part of it. And, you know, the, the sacrifice that comes with, you know, being this level. In sustaining this level i have people around me that are willing to sacrifice just as much as i am you know with coach coach sekalenko and you know bruce and wood you know they they all work very hard for this team as well and so when you have that type of commitment to you know the, the vision the objectives and you know it can't really say goals because we have the same pretty much the same goals every year you know try and win conference try and make the answer to the tournament don't you don't make it because of the goal. The goal is always there, you know. So, you know, it's your process, whatever it is. And so every year you have to adapt with your processes. And, you know, especially, you know, especially nowadays with communication with players. You know, it just, it seems like every, there is a way that we all used to communicate, it seems like. and And now there's a new way, but now there's a new way. And, you know, now next year there's going to be a new way. And so you always have to be on top of those types of things. And, you know, I don't think you have to be a young person to be on top of those things. I think that, you know, just, just their eagerness to communicate with your players, the eagerness to communicate with your recruits and your staff. I think those types of things go a long way. And if you have those, that eagerness, you're going to adapt to whatever platform you're going to communicate with um, anyways. And so I think that, all of us have an eagerness to do well. All of us have an eagerness to make the Sweet 16. And that, that's actually part of our code. If you don't if you don't want to win 100%, then we don't want you around. And the people that we have around want
0: to win 100%. Well, I love that mentality. It's great to hear. I know we, me and Aaron were lucky enough to talk with Bruce during the when we were hosting Penn State at Student Folks, And his belief in you and and Coach Mueller And the program—it was pretty awesome to hear how much he believed in you guys. Yeah, I haven't heard him talk about that about any other program but you guys. And Uh, no, it's it's saying a lot because he's a positive guy. Yeah, but he was—he couldn't say anything more nice about you guys than—I don't know—it was awesome to hear.
1: I think the best way that I can say it is he is fully invested
0: in your program.
2: Absolutely. You know, Bruce comes to our conference, you know, he's seen us win both titles, you know, and then I don't think we've played five NCAA matches here. I don't think Wood or Bruce has missed any of them, you know, so it's just just awesome. You know, they travel with us, you know, it's just great.
0: So we got a big move this year conference-wise. Conference USA had quite a few teams who took the sport seriously. Yeah, Rice, UAB, Middle Tennessee State, Charlotte. What do you know about our future opponents in the Sun Belt, and do you foresee the change in conference having any impact on the program's future?
2: Well, yeah, you know, you mentioned those teams in conference USA that were all very good, and but you know, there's also FIU. FAU and North Texas, you know, so North Texas, they stole the coach from Illinois to coach there. You know, they, they've had a great program over the years. And, you know, I remember in 2000, in 2020 ODU, Rice won the conference. ODU made it at large, FIU made it at large and FAU made it at large. And so, you know, conference USA that year was arguably, it was, it was, It was more than the Big Ten put in. It was more than the Pac-12 put in that year. Pac-12 kind of had a bad year. So we were, you know, the fourth best conference in the country. So Conference USA has done an amazing job with women's tennis. But, you know, you talk about that retention. It's a bunch of coaches. You know, there hasn't been much movement in that conference since I've been there. There hasn't been much movement with coaches. Charlotte brought in an awesome coach. I'll tell you what, that guy, Anthony Davidson, he got our conference coach of the year this year. And I gave him a run for his money for that award, by the way. But he, because you know, we won the tournament, but he he really earned it, man. That guy has really hustled and he's made Charlotte a very formidable team. And I think that he, him and his whatever program he's running here in the next couple of years, that's going to be doing well. But, you know, so we came from a strong, strong, you know, group of five conference. And it was, you know, ODU, Rice, you know, those types of programs, you know, like I, you know, Pepperdine's now, you know, I, I, we're, we're mid-majors, UCF. We're we're mid-majors, but we're kind of more major mids, you know, you know, we're kind of the big mid-majors. So I like to call us major mids. So I feel like we're going a little bit from a a major mid-conference to a mid-major conference when it comes to our type of the way we compete, you know, this year, our first, I think our first eight matches were power five. You know, we went down and played Florida and Miami and, you know, we, we, we beat who do we beat? We beat we beat Georgia Tech and Ole Miss, you know, early on to, to qualify for national indoors where we lost to Texas AM and Pepperdine, and we beat we beat Wisconsin there. So, you know, that that's gonna be a lot different from what we're gonna see in Sunbelt. So in conference USA, we were allowed to schedule whoever we wanted. So a big part of my job was scheduling. 20 matches every single year in the spring. And so I had that, that, that leeway to schedule and to, you know, place teams how I want. And you can schedule yourself based on whatever team you have, you can schedule yourself the strength of schedule with the RPI that, Hey, Hey, like this last year, I had a team. I knew I had a team and I knew I had a team two years ago leading into this year. So we set ourselves up with a real dingy of a schedule and I didn't anticipate doing so well early on that we qualified for national indoors. That was an incredible feat for our program, by the way. But, and so then we had three more tacked onto that Texas A&M, who had the best season ever in the SEC, who went undefeated in the SEC. That's never happened before. Then we played Pepperdine and then we ended up beating Wisconsin. So, you know, those types of pushes, I won't be afforded anymore. That, That type of push is going to be replaced by 11 team mandatory schedule. So that's going to be a little different. It's going to be a little different for us to play our way into the NCAA tournament. It's going to be a little bit more difficult for us to achieve that top 25 ranking just because we're going to have less opportunities to do those types of things. Now, you know, I've said it in the board meetings here, the top four players in the conference are on our roster. I'm talking about conference. It's a Sunbelt conference. The top four players in the Sunbelt are going to be on our roster. I believe that all the top out of the top 10 players, all of our players are in the top so there's, it's it, we should be the team that you know that is setting the standard in the Sun Belt. When I got into Conference USA, there was not as many teams that are doing so well as there are now. So I hope that we're going to have that kind of ripple effect with us coming in that is going to kind of lift people up. But you know the scheduling is going to be different. So you know if we dropped out of the top 25 next year or the year after, I don't think that has anything to do with our level of play. It just might be a, a function of the scheduling. And, uh, you know, we're, the, the goals are, you know, the goals, we talked about goals, but the objectives that we're going after are still going to stay. We still want to make Sweet 16 or better. That's our same bus line. So I got to imagine
0: playing a, a really tough schedule prepares you much better for the NCAA tournament. because the, gr- the girls already know they can compete with the best in the country when they've already played them and beat them. Going to a schedule like this, does that change that kind of mentality, or are they still going to go in there thinking they can beat anybody?
2: Well, you know, I guess that's where you know, <laughs> one of the roles of a coach is to kind of you know make sure that the mentality is is in the right place. You know, that's that's part of our jobs. Going to be part of my job as the head coach of Old Dominion as we transition into the Sun that we can maintain or improve, but at least maintain this level that that we've had in Conference USA. You know, and that's at, at this moment, that is my role. And, you know, I, I'm here to oversee that transition right now. And so I, I, don't, I don't anticipate it changing our mindset. I anticipate us recruiting the exact same way. I anticipate us having similar levels of success. But things that we've actually moved past as a program, like several weeks this year, when we, the rankings came out, we actually didn't even talk about them as a team because they really just started to not mean as much to us, you know, because we were going after different things at that point, you know, Yulia was trying to become an All-American in singles and doubles, the first player at him to ever do that. She, she did earn that last week, by the way, Tanya became an All-American in doubles as well. So we start thinking about those things. Hey, how are we gonna make it to the Sweet 16? Those types of things. So the rankings, you know, for our program You know, we've kind of checked boxes. We're not too worried about rankings. We would like to have a top 10 on our resume. You know, it's going to be tough to get there now. But, you know, we're really still thinking about those bigger things. Like, hey, all Americans, you know, producing all Americans on the roster, you know, making it to the Sweet 16.
0: All right. Speaking of recruiting, we know Europe is kind of a hotbed for Old Dominion with just looking at the roster. It's clear that Europe is important full dominion tennis how do you go about identifying these athletes
2: oh man i'll i'll take any way to identify you know anybody you know it's it's hard to find players that are really good you know somewhere you know if you if you think about it there's got to be a certain level between you know in in, in our sports, there's got to be a certain level between hey the the, the, the best junior and then the pro, you know, and that and the, that level in between there is going to fit perfect for us. But hey, also, they need to have graduated within six months ago. And they need to be able to speak this level of English and, and these types of things. So when you narrow it down, there's really only about 20 kids out there in the world that can fit this spot that we're looking for at Old Dominion. There's a lot in the United States. There's a lot there. There's a lot here. There's a lot here. But ones that actually want to come to Old Dominion, the ones that will actually select Old Dominion, you know, there's only about twenty out there, and they're hard to find. You know, for example, we had when we recruited Alexander Viktorovich, two time conference player of the week this year, ranked in the ranked in the top one twenty-five all year. But when we recruited her, she was number one in Sweden. She took an official visit to us, Texas, and Miami. All right. She chose wow. Old Dominion. Chose Old Dominion. Not wow. every kid is gonna choose Old Dominion out of those out of those visits. Sophia Johnson, her choices came down to Southern Cal, LSU, and Old Dominion. You know, so not every kid, especially a number one player in the U.K. like Sophia, is going to choose Old Dominion. So we have to identify, not only do we have to identify great players, but we have to identify great players that are going to choose Old Dominion over other great institutions with great programs. You know, so we really look under every rock and, you know, <laughs> everywhere we, we, we got to look, we look. And yeah, we recruit United States as well. You know, like this season we have Maya Bird coming from from Mari High School. Man, I mean, yeah. how proud of, how proud we are of that! I can't even. You're you jumping
0: ahead on us, coach.
2: Yeah, I man. know. <laughs> yeah, I I can't so, even tell you how proud we are to, so, to like sign somebody like that. You know, somebody who's had so much success, you know, in the states as a player, and you know, as a player here in Norfolk, and then for her to want to stay. You know, I mean, staying close to parents, staying close yeah. to family, and also staying close to pressure. know there's a lot of pressure playing in your hometown the entire time so you know it just says a lot about her first of all but man we're very proud that you know Maya's coming and then Allison Isaac's out of out of California as well so yeah with recruiting it's 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 all in all hands on deck all the time always checking with former players always checking with you know a lot of our former players are on the plane on the tour right now so we're always touching with them have you seen any good 16 year olds any 17 year olds? you know wherever it is and then we usually try and fly and catch them at the next tournament and try and really make a presence. You know, like we have we have shirts we wear. wearing at ODU. It says, it, you know, for our matches, it says, "Hey, ODU here." You know, but when we go recruiting, it says Old Dominion University. You know, <laughs> so there's no, there's no, there's no, there's no, uh, nobody's confused. <laughs>
0: so once you've identified those athletes, which obviously is very difficult. Especially with the competition you're going against, beating those power fives, that's that's amazing. How do you sell them on the school and the program?
2: Well, you know, when you kind of, you know, and all that stuff is just fluff, you know. Like, you know, you know, we're, we're talking about programs that are a certain level, and our le- our programs a certain level, you know. So. You know when when you can kind of get through all that fluff of you know the the power five and that kind of stuff and all those those in, like intensifiers you you can really boil things down and it's, it when you boil ODU down ODU is a really great place. Yeah, you know, it's a really great place. You know, especially for tennis, the the, the location's good for tennis. It's a pretty moderate climate you know, last year was a little cold, you know, so when we bring in, you know, it, it really kind of a bummer when you recruit players on a climate, oh, it's warm here all the time, we might have a month when it's cold, and then you bring in a player in January, and it's like one degree for, you know, three months, you feel a little bad, but, you know, <laughs> but for the most part, the climate is pretty favorable for tennis players, you know, it, there's a beach here, you know, it's a it's a big school, but it's a small campus, and it's, you know, there's a lot of things you can sell, it. it's a, it's a big city with a small town feel, and you know, it's, there's a lot of things you can sell here. When you boil, like I said, when you, when you get rid of all that power five stuff, I mean, there's not many places I think that are much better than ODU to choose from. And I think that with these players at the level that we're recruiting at, they're very, they're very aware they're very cognizant of things around them. This is an individual sport. You know, there's, there's no passing the ball. There's no like, hey, where are you going? What are you going to do? You know, this is their individual choices. So when they get there and they meet with us and, and when we go over there and we meet with their families, We make sure there's a good connection, you know, we, we sell it, you know, we make sure we tell them what they want to hear, you know, in the cell, but you know, for the most part, we, we just make sure that it's a situation that, you know, none of our recruits have ever really called and said, Hey, I chose Old Dominion, you know, that it just hasn't really happened for us that way. It's just kind of happened, you know, like, Hey, all of a sudden, Hey, okay. Hey, send me over your, your test scores. Hey, send me your transcripts. Okay. Hey, great. Hey, you're going to talk to Amy. She's going to do She's going to get you set. We did classes, boom, 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 and then bada-bing, bada-boom, and then all of a sudden, yeah, hey. I'm go. here. Yeah, you're here. Hey, great, cool. I'll pick you up at the airport. Yeah,
0: Hey, yeah. coach.
2: Yeah, so the final the final box to check is, like, just get her, just pick her up at the airport. Get her on that plane, you know? <laughs> Once they
0: get off that plane, coming from Europe, imagine there's a little bit of a culture shock or maybe even some language barriers that you have to – to work with, what's that
2: like? It can be, you know, and uh, I think for sure, every single one of them experiences it. But the level of which they express it is different for everybody. And you know, some players really, really feel it more than others. And but for the most part, the international students that we have, you know, we recruit them not because they're the same level of somebody that we could have gotten, you know, in Northern Virginia or you know, in New Jersey, we, we don't recruit them for that. We recruit them because they are, a, you know, a level above that. They're better than somebody that we could get here. And so when we bring them, it's usually they have tons of international experience, tons of international traveling experience. They've probably gone away to a boarding situation for a year, if not four years in some situations, or they've been taken up by their country and haven't seen their parents in seven years anyway. So, a lot of players come from that type of situation so the the attitude about traveling for sports and going away for a couple months at a time and coming back isn't really looked at the same as it is here i know with my kids if they're like hey man i'm gonna i'm gonna dip over to europe for four months and i'm gonna come back for i'll be back for christmas dad but i'm gonna dip away for another five or six i don't know i would be like whoa you know (laughs) But, you know, the attitude is very different when it comes to it because it's a great opportunity. First of all, you know, we're giving them a full scholarship, full cost of attendance, you know, and then, you know, and soon here with this NIL situation, we're going to have to be offering, you know, some sort of NIL deals to them, you know, in order to maintain our level and to be relevant in the recruiting scene. You know, so again, I think they all experience some level of it, though, because this is this is probably the most. Finite decision they've made with their tennis careers because from before that it was always a week to week thing. Hey, I'm going to go to this tournament, and then I'm going to go this tournament, then I'm going to this tournament, and then I'm going go to, I'm gonna go, to I'm gonna go back and train, and then I'm going go to this But now it's like, hey, I've decided and I've signed up to be here for a year, and then I'm expected to sign up for another year, for, you know, until like, I graduate. And that's a long time in the mind of a 17, 18, or 19 year old. And I think that's the biggest shock that they feel is to say, this is now my my home, you know? And I think that they they feel a little bit about that. With the level of English, excuse me. We haven't had too many issues lately. You know, our team GPA last spring was a 3.84. This year, I think it was about a 3.5. You know, we we never really have any issues with with grades or anything like that. Actually, a recruiting class, a recent recruiting class, we we chose between some recruits that we had, they had committed to us without asking them. And the cutout was like, hey, you know, this person had a 4 and this person didn't. And so we went with the 4 And so, you know, there was a, there was a class that we, that was the cutoff. You had to have a 4 to make our team. So with that level of commitment to academics is usually also comes you know, just that level of intellect that comes to that type of person, that level of, you know, attention to, you know, their work ethic, you know, or, or in, you know, that just that discipline they lived their life with. So, you know, when they sign up, say, Hey, I, I know that I need to go to, I'm going to go to college and I know I need to know English. That type of person usually gets on it and they make sure they're learning it. So by the time that test rolls around whether it be a couple months, six months or a year from when they decided to make that jump to the, to the States and play college tennis, that they're going to be super prepared. So we're, we're usually, you know, fortunate enough to have great students and, you know, very well-rounded student athletes here.
1: So coach, obviously you're busy all year round. You and your assistant coaches looking for talent to identify out of the whole world down to 20 individuals who fit the mold for Old Dominion. And you just gave us a little bit of an insight as to their mental makeup. They're great in the classroom. Now from a physical, obviously you're recruiting tennis players. So, from when we talked talk to Coach Ronnie, we asked him, "Hey, what are you looking for in an athlete?" He described some of those attributes. And we talked to Coach Coach Kane with golf. She talked a little bit about that as well. So, when you've got those twenty athletes that you narrow it down to, tell us what you're looking at there with regards to being an athlete and playing the game of tennis.
2: Well, to be a successful tennis player, especially at the level that, you know, like uh, you know, we are talking about all American levels and, you know, four out of our top six in our lineup this year, ranked in the top twenty-one hundred and twenty-five. 125. So, you know, that, that level is very impressive. Shahab Iran who played you know, Alessia Yakubovich nearly missed being an all American last year in doubles. And she's our number five. She wasn't in the top one hundred and twenty-five. The person who played number six first year, Shahab Iran was a former fed cup player for Israel. So all these players are very, very good. And to be that level of of a tennis player, you have to be in incredibly good shape and you have to be very athletic. So usually in my situation, that comes with the types of results that we are recruiting. You know, like if we are recruiting a top 20 ITF junior, which means a top 20 junior in the world, that person is, is, I can pretty much tell you that 19 and a half of the the top 20 juniors right now are physical specimens are real are really in shape kids and can really do special things athletically you know they can probably they probably do things you know better ambidextrously than most of us do they see better you know there's just all these things kind of come with that level so when you start you know early on yeah you know we recruited you know we looked at, we looked at players, we were looking for some size. We were looking for players who had parents who had athletic, who had, who had athletic backgrounds, you know, like, you know, anybody who was like in, you know, a, a sprinter or, you know, track and field or hockey players. We had hockey players, sprinters. Maya's parents are, are, are athletes. Maya's mother was a sprinter. Maya's, Maya's father was a football player, at Virginia tech, you know, so, you know, those types of things went into it, but now, You know, we're trying to identify players, like we said, you know, those 20 in the world with the types of results, but the types of results we're looking for don't come without that level of of physicality. And, you know, we've said it for a few years. I don't know which coach gets credit for this quote, but it, it pops up different coaches saying it all the time. And so I've just latched onto it and it's 100% true. Good players don't get tired. And, you know, and we're recruiting good players. You know, and so I think that 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 says a lot about it. Now, when we bring him here, you know, when we bring him here, that we really lay it on. We really lay it on. You know, we really hit the weights hard. I think we hit the weights harder than probably any any uh, women's program in the country. A lot of that is due to a couple of years ago, we signed on Pat etcheberry as our volunteer assistant coach. He was as a volunteer assistant strength coach. Excuse me. Now, he his background is he was Agassiz strength coach, Francisco strength coach, Roddick strength coach. He was with USCA, He's a University of Kentucky strength coach, a Hall of Famer. So he has an amazing background. I think in our oldest Chapman is one of his most recent clients that he's been working with. But we had him for a year. So he was up here and he really just really taught me how to work the players very well and you know how to work them so hard. And That same summer before I started working with Pat, excuse me, I'm going a little bit backwards, I had a fortunate, I was fortunate enough to travel to the tournament. With Jamie Loeb and Ashley Weinholt, two good American players, to the City Open in in D.C. and they were playing a professional tournament. And it was a it was a rain delay, and so we were in there with all the top you know top fifty players in the world. And Sabalenka was there, and Dimitrov, and you know we were there, and you know doing the medicine ball and stuff like this. But Sabalenka, who was kind of the up and coming player, she was in there just working out and hardcore. I mean, lifting big weight big weights, slinging around big weights before the matches and she did it for about 3 hours and she was just this monster of a woman. And then she went out there and absolutely kicked her opponent's ass and I was just really inspired by that. So then I went out and hired Pat. And so then Pat came in and brought that professional level of a hey, strength conditioning, how you eat and you know what you do, what you want to, you know, how you want to you know what you do when you step off the plane what you do when you get to the hotel you know what we're going to do before the matches when you eat how you eat, all these things you know pat helped us with and it really rewired our program you know so much so, so that right now like over the summer right now I, I tell the players hey if you have a choice to go play tennis or go to the weight room go to the weight room. you know go to the weight room and i think that that probably spreads across all sports you know you know the ones that are good and so that that stuff, yeah, the, the physicality of it. I don't know if you guys have seen our team, you know, up, up close, but they're very, they're very impressive. And uh, you know, that's that's been going on in our program for for several years now, and we're going to continue that. And, you know, it comes from the top. Like t- Tatiana Sassna. you know, Yuli was obviously very impressive as an athlete, but you know, Tanya is equally as impressive. So I think that she sets the tone for the rest of the team. Yeah,
0: I don't know about Aaron, but this was my first year attending. Or do you tennis matches, men or women. Mine too. Um, Mine tennis too. State was my first. Um, yep. Every time I was there, you guys were just destroying. So,
2: well, we haven't lost. You're
0: at, doing something right.
2: We haven't lost at home since 2018, I think. So I think we Super we have, it's been a while, yeah. So you're not you're not the only one hasn't seen So we're going to be tested next year. We host Florida State, Kansas. Those are two off my top top of my head that are going to be tough. So. That, that streak, that street's going to be tested. You know, at some point, the streak going to get a little annoying. You know, I, I got to make sure it's really, <laughs> fresh, you know, you know, you not annoying
1: to me. And we'll definitely, we'll definitely be there, especially if there's bagels like there were last time. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, you just, you know, I, I just, I just don't want to. You know, I'm really proud of that streak, but you know, we didn't really, we didn't pay much attention to it until it was like, oh yeah, you guys have gone three years out losing home. It's like, oh shoot, you're right. You know, it's like, man, we're scheduling too easy. You know, so we, we got to get that figured out. So you know, or at least have some. You know, more marking we got some nice ones that will be tech at home this year, Missouri at home. So those, those are nice, you know, but, but we really either have to, so. The streak is a good streak. If we, if we survive next year, let's say, you know, so. <laughs> so
0: you mentioned her earlier, but the 2022 class has two exciting Americans in it. Yeah. You got highly rated Allison Isaacs of Dana Point, California and two time state champ and hometown girl. My bird of Maury High School. What type of players can fans expect out of these two?
2: Well, you know, I think highly of all my players, I think they're all all very good. And you know, that's why we invite these people to be on our team. And I'll start with Allison. Allison, you know, we were recruited we, we were we were contacted by her agent, you know, that they use for recruiting pretty early on in her process that she was looking for a, a team that is ultra into just growing and getting better. And has the type of players and coaches that really just eat, breathe, and sleep tennis. And that's really us, you know, we we really are tennis fanatics. And our assistant coach is here working right now, actually, and it's 8.15 on a Tuesday. So, you know, I, I think that she was really attracted to that and her family was very attracted to that because they've been very committed to her game for a very long time. You know, they sent her to the to Everett Academy where she's one of their top players for several years. And then she went back to California I, when she was at everett Academy she was number one 16 year old in the state of Florida by the way so she's you know very great acumen and then she went back to California with coach Tom Downs and then she went to Texas so they they've invested quite a lot of just you know you know a lot of resources all types of resources into her game and so they wanted to make sure she went to a school as an American player that she wasn't just going to get swallowed up and just kind of be part of the part of a group of players and just might just be kind of pushed aside and and not really develop at the rate that she wanted to be because it's really all her life has been about is tennis that's how most of our players are but allison really really expressed that differently how important tennis was to her in her you know in, in her process of being recruited by us she did it really well it was very honest and and so I thought that she was a great type of player for us that I, you know, and I think that her first year, she's probably going to fit into the middle of the lineup and kind of the middle lineup for us is about the five spot. I think she's probably around there five, six, but you know, I never really said this. I can't even believe I said that. Who knows where she's going to fit in. You know what I mean? When people come to college, you know, so many things change, you know, and you know, she's going to be here for several months before she even, even plays a match for old dominion, you know, as a team match, you know, so you know, diets change, sleeping habits change, everything changes and, you know, her coachings are going to change. She's away from parents. She's been around for a long time. So we'll we'll, we'll see where she fits in. But she's been she was a top American. She was a top 30 American. You know, we've had a top 30 American on team recently. Uh, Victoria Olivares, you know, she she's transferred from University of Virginia. She was a top 30 player, a five star, just like Allison. And she fit in very nicely at the top you know by the end of her career and she was she helped us go to the NCAA tournament so we're looking for that type of, of player from Allison a very nice impact player for us with Maya Maya does not going to have the type of experience that some of these other players have had coming in however Maya has a, a ton of upside with that you know she's a winner first and foremost you know we know that and also I've been fortunate enough to get to know her her family over the years. And, you know, just, just Maya just checks a lot of boxes for us, you know, the type of person we're looking for at Old Dominion, you know, and, you know, to be a two-time state champion at Ma- and then to choose Old Dominion is very special. so we're very proud of that. And so I think the sky's the limit for both of these players. We'll see how they adjust to college life. We'll see how, you know, Allison didn't play high school tennis, you know, Allison played, you know, the, you know, a, a, a tour, a circuit and Maya played high school tennis. So we'll see how, you know, the two players adjust, uh, you know, to to the college game and not only just talk college game, but, but you know the highest level in the in the nation. So we'll oh, see you out of them.
0: I do wanna know Maya, if not for injury, she probably wins the third, right?
2: Yeah, she was she was pretty well on her way. You know, you don't wanna disrespected the current champion the person the, the, right. the, the kid who won but yeah Maya was Maya's, Maya was looking like it was very looking very good for Maya yeah <laughs> I wouldn't have bet against her I'll say that yeah very unfortunate she got hurt she was definitely going to win her third her third title you know which is in, in could have been her fourth if you think about it had it not been for COVID you know yeah Brooke Pilkington had done that for a couple of years before for us she was a four-time state champion who was on our squad I always thought that was really cool. That's super
0: impressive. Winning as a freshman has got to be so difficult. But so now, know, we also said, have
2: we also have one more spot to fill. So we have one more recruit that we're looking for. And this recruit, we've we've really been sitting on for a long time. Not this this recruit per se, but this spot. You know, we're really looking for another another top player. You know, the standard set by, you know, Yulia this year to be a great player at Old Dominion is very tough. You know, Yulia's all American in singles and doubles. Let me brag about Yulia real quick. Like, I mean, Yulia, Yulia, she had 92 wins, second all-time at OU, two-time conference player of the year, four-time all-first-time singles, four-time all-first-time doubles, and she's ranked number one in the country this year with, in, in doubles with Tanya, you know, so it's just, and, you know, again, all-Americans, so, you know, these players and these freshmen, they see that, you know, and they see, oh, their number ones an all-American. That's great. Oh shoot, their number two is also an all-American. Oh shoot, their number three ranked. Oh my God, their number four's ranked. The number five played Fed Cup. So there is a feeling when they get here. Man, I got to get it going, or else you know I'm just I'm just not gonna fit in. <laughs> and you know, so there is that 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 sense that comes with them. And it's a lot. You know, we we practice a lot. We push a lot. But that's what they've signed up here to come to Old Dominion. That's what they've signed up for.
1: So what I'm hearing coach here is if you are a top high school player, either in this country or out of this country, then old the minute is a place that you should be looking at.
2: Oh yeah. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> you know, we, we've, we've signed top players, you know, for several years now, you know, so I think that's, and that's something I'm very proud of that, you know, there's, there's some brands that you can, that you wear, and there's some brands in Europe that you can wear that get recognized as well. Like on a tennis courts in Europe, if you wear a university of virginia logo who won the title again this year i think that's their fourth in the last 10 years it's you know it's kind of yeah. <laughs> you know but if you wear a university of virginia logo or a baylor shirt or a ucla shirt people oh even in europe are like oh you know did your kid play there that kid you know your kid must be really good you know and my goal is always like hey when those parents wear ODU. to you an Old Dominion University, because I don't give about the ODU ones, are they getting Old Dominion University? But if the parents have Old Dominion University, you know, parent other people, other people playing tennis know that, hey, oh man, you know, that's where good players are, you know, just like the Baylors and those types of things. So, yeah, I think that that's, that's part of our goal. And yeah, I think that, that players do notice us, especially when we're taking out these big time teams.
1: So Mike mentioned earlier that we had the opportunity to go to our first few tennis matches. It's a fantastic facility. I mean, we really enjoy It's beautiful. And you just have the outside resurface. We noticed we were walking by a couple months ago. I think it was probably right before conference tournament or they had painted them all nice and blue or sort of resurfaced them. Does that play a big role in, you know, the day-to-day operation of you and the team and, and everything of how, how great that facility is?
2: Well, it's a fantastic facility. It sure is. And so it just makes everybody's life easier and more and more productive to be honest. You know, like we have we have the resources and facilities, you know, to, to get it done. We have eight indoor courts and we have twelve outdoor courts. The twelve outdoor courts we'd like to get a little bit more competitive with with you know more more, you know, permanent seating and these types of things that a lot of our the places that we compete against have. You know, when you bring a recruit to a place and, you know, you show them the courts or something when we bring them inside, we can say, Hey, yeah, we can bring them on the to court too. And say, yeah, you're going to play here. And there's going to be a hundred people up there, hundred people up there. and You know, the scoreboard is going to be going and there's going to be music. And it's just a great energy. And there's going to be 15 people here and that, you know, and they can envision themselves playing it inside. You know, they can see that when we go outside, we don't have that vision as much. So we'd like to kind of tighten things up, make it a much more intimate experience. Permanent seating helps with that. Scoreboards actually help with that, without you even realizing it. It kind of just kind of gives it that 3D border almost, and you know, lighting, those types of things. But you know, for the most part, this facility has just been wonderful. I never played a match here. You know, I I I graduated right before it opened. It was here. But we weren't in it yet so you know i'm very i feel very fortunate that it, you know my first head coaching job was here with a facility like this It's holy smokes but you know it's all an arms race and i tell you what man a lot of <laughs> a lot of places have a lot of nice nice things now and i you know i think our indoor facility we are still at the in the top Echelons of indoor facilities, for sure, are outdoor that we need to catch up a little bit with, especially if we want to keep trying to bring these types of recruits in who are visiting these these types of places that we said are, they're visiting.
0: So speaking of the facility, we were going to talk about budget next. When can we expect – We I know Bruce mentioned the scoreboard to us at that Penn State match. Can we expect that in the next
2: year or two? Or, You know, I'm not sure. You know, spending money post-COVID is just such a different thing. You know, especially if it's on capital projects, let alone like a non—you know—it's it, it, a—it's a capital project, but you know, not something that you know is like super necessary. You know, it right. is—we do need it; we absolutely need it. But you know, spending—you know—it's—it's going to be a hundred thousand dollars for a scoreboard, and then probably another twenty thousand dollars for the install, and you know, the way everything's wired out there with fire lanes and stuff like that, probably have to do a study. So, you know, it's going to be a lot of money for a scoreboard. So, you know, I think we still. It, you know maybe next year that'd be great that's great to think about i think that's in our our minds that we're thinking hey let's get this done but if it it didn't happen for the next three years i also wouldn't be shocked either just just post-covid just the way things are working and you know you know ricky and football is trying to navigate this nil situation and and jeff is as well and so you know even so now with this it's like man you know just you know what do you you it's very sensitive what you ask people money for now you know and so it's it's just that's just where we are as an olympic sport at all the going
0: back to budget is that something you're managing mostly on your own or are you working with the athletic
2: department on that like, so so what, what do you mean by that question do you mean like hey do we do we raise like, our money or do they give us an operating budget or or a line item budget well
0: both because uh, we know you got a lot of travel yeah and <laughs> that gets expensive <laughs> oh, Yeah, um, yeah <laughs> hosting tournaments that that can get expensive yes are you going out and fundraising and then that's what you're working with
2: or yeah so so we're working from no knowledge here so oh no problem i get get an operating i get an operating budget from our our department i used to have to turn in hey how you plan on spending this money lately i haven't needed to do that because we've been doing a good job with that type of stuff so we get our operating budgets and from there, we start picking away at the the, the things that, you know, the, like the capital things we need throughout the season. We need balls. We need, you know, single stakes. We need to hire officials. We knock all that stuff out. And usually pretty close to the spring season, that's all burnt up. <laughs> you know, spent it on recruiting over the summer, those types of things. And then we have to go into the money that we've raised. And for us to compete at the same level as some of these other programs that we're competing against, you know, you, and Aaron, you said, like, how do you do it year after year? Well, there's really only one way to do it. You got to do it the right way. Because if not, it's all just, it's all a fugazi and, you know, what you got there, man. You know, so we, we got to do it the right way and doing it the right way costs a lot of money. So, you know, on top of what, what, you know, Wood and Ken Brown our our program, we have to, we have to raise another 75 to 100 on top of that every single year. And we've been fortunate enough to know the right people it's, uh, to be able to take care of that for us and, and you know, who are competitive enough to like to win and see our vision and, uh, you know, have jumped on board. And we really feel like they're team members.
1: Look, let's have a little bit more fun with a couple of these questions. Okay. Give us your best tennis story.
2: Best tennis story, you know, you know, probably, you know, winning conference titles are really good. You know, those are great. You know, this year when Yulia, and Tanya became number one in the country. That was very special to me. You know, Yulia is somebody I coached for five years. You know, I, I, she came to me when she was 17 years old and she graduated with her master's degree just this year. And so when she became number one in the country over, you know, and she wasn't recruited really by anybody. And so she was kind of, a, she kind of came out of nowhere and we developed her and we got her to number one in the country. So we felt very good about that. That was a little feather in my hat. I felt very good about that. But, um, conference titles man you know those are good also i played a tournament with with johnny mac one time and that was a lot of fun that was pretty cool so i played a double he was my doubles partner
1: <laughs> in real life is he like you know what i've seen on tv or completely different person when you're, no, when you're playing pre- with him. that's
2: pretty much him man that's pretty much him
0: <laughs> i was
2: i was shocked too i thought oh, it's, it's all going to be a you know a, a thing you know and then not nah, that's him that's it. Very, nice. very very cool very very nice very nice very cool always always willing to help you as long as you're not an official right yeah yeah (laughs) or
1: a tennis or a tennis racket
2: that's that's a lot of us tennis guys and officials though you know it's a a curse i don't know (laughs) what's
1: the favorite court you ever played
2: on favorite court i've ever played on you know i I like it here at odu because i've been here for so long but there's a court that i grew up on that's no longer there that if i i think i could hit on I think I would, I'd would like to hit on that, but it, it's gone now. Also, I took a, I wouldn't, I took a recruiting visit to England one time and Holly took me over to this cool place. And we hit on these grass courts and man, I can't remember the names, name of the place, but it was just a very different tennis experience. It was that very hoity-toity white <laughs> London tennis, lawn tennis feel to it. And I had never experienced that. It was, it was just kind of it was just kind of neat and memorable, but those are the, I think that those are the courts that I, I remember the most. Actually, courts I remember the most in college are, you know, as a coach are ones that we lose on or i have lost on, the courts at North Carolina. Man, I know exactly, like, how that Jordan logo painted between courts five and six, like some of them, like where they went out of the lines a little bit. Man, I, I know exactly that logo from just looking at it. You know sometimes so <laughs> it's funny how uh, you look how you remember things you know so coach we're not sure if you're
0: aware but our group we take fundraising seriously a lot of that's for odu but we also host toys for tots the fundraisers in the fall at the oyster bowl we, we really love raising money what is your favorite charity and could you tell
2: monarch nation a little bit about it well my favorite charity over the past several years has been anything Pretty much anything to do with Special Olympics, especially Special Olympics Virginia. And that's something that my my entire family has been involved with. I think it was kind of a natural progression with all of us being so involved in sports that we got involved in Special Olympics. But my father hosts a lot of Special Olympics events throughout the year. And he's also the, the, the head coach, the lead coach of Team USA Special Olympics. So that's something we've always held pretty close to us. We always did a couple of big events every year, slowed down a little bit with COVID, but we're picking it up again this year soon. But so it's always been Special Olympics that we've, that you, it's kind of been closest to me in our program. That's a great call. That's awesome. Yeah.
1: So coach, you've got 15, 20 minutes to kill on campus and you're sitting there and you don't have anything to do. Where's your favorite place on the campus to go?
2: So I got a, I got a few places I really like, but you know, like when I, when I think about it, it's really kind of anything around Kaufman Mall. You know, I'm really excited to see what they do with Web Center because they say they're going to, Smash that and redo it. So we'll see what happens. I haven't even seen any renderings. Have you guys?
1: Yeah, but they've been saying that. Not of that one, not yet.
2: Couple years, they've been saying they're gonna crush it. But, but you know, kind of anything around Kaufman Mall. I really like. You know, it's a rule on my team. You can't ride a lime if you're a player. So I like to (laughs) ride. (laughs) If you're a player. If you're a player. (laughs) So, (laughs) so I I like to zip around those limes every once in a while because I know they're pretty dang dangerous you know but but when i i really find myself kind of just zipping around the mall a little bit kaufman mall and then i go over that little bridge over by the science building and see all those turtles there i don't know they, they gotta have a thousand <laughs> turtles in that little pond there and then there's the little orchid conservatory there and there's a greenhouse and that's pretty cool so i i go in there and I, i've sat down in there in that greenhouse a few times it's pretty fun you know, but really anything around Coffin Mall, I think is really great. You know, over the years, because I've been here twenty years, and Mike, you've been here a long time as well. You know, just how just how everything's filled in. You know, so you know not not only the parking lots, but you know, mm-hmm. just the you know they filled in the parking lots, but then they trained they planted trees twenty years ago too. And so all those trees have come in. It's just it's just become a really beautiful campus. So I, I really I really enjoy it.
0: All right, so we've both been here a while you got to have at least one of your favorite restaurants on campus and in Norfolk. Let's hear them.
2: Well, campus has got to be, you know, not headed there as much anymore now that I'm a little bit older, but probably perfectly frank, so, you know, on campus. Yeah, you know, I mean, I think that's everybody's.
0: I think I think they need to sponsor us at this point.
2: They, they do. They've, every, they've, I been mean... <laughs>
0: they've been mentioned in
2: every episode. I, I think Everybody. they got us all fooled. We're sponsoring them. We just don't even know <laughs>
0: Did you know that
1: they have a good Caesar salad? No, but I'm not gonna order the Caesar salad.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. Um, how
2: about in town? town how about in town?
1: Mike's got to know you're out in town, one. You
2: you know, one. So off campus. So, you know, off campus. Man, I really like no frill. You know, I never, I don't think I've ever had anything I didn't like at no frill. But you know, I, you know, I hate to say it, but I love Kogans. <laughs> What's um, wrong with
0: that? I don't hate to say, I love Kogan's. Do you have a preference between North and
2: the original? The, I think it's North, the one here by Dirty yeah. Buffalo, and yeah, the North one. Yeah, a little more space and a few more people, our age, Mike. I don't know. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, I have friends right, that still say they they have their alliance to the OG Kogan's just because of all their great memories of their twenties
2: there. So oh yeah, yeah. That's yeah. why I had to ask. No, it wasn't my place in college. I wasn't over there too much in college. so yeah. Okay. Yeah. But I knew it was there. I definitely knew it.
1: All right, Dom, so what's your favorite tennis movie? you got
2: to be honest with you, I've never seen one, man. Have you?
1: Actually, I haven't seen it yet. It's on my wish list with King Williams, I think. Or.
2: Oh, I haven't no. seen that yet. I'm a little embarrassed I haven't seen that, but yeah.
1: Are there any other ones, Mike? Just a few. <laughs> I don't
0: know if we gave many choices.
2: There was a, a, a movie called that in like a couple years. Like a yeah, now that,
0: that yeah. one's for that was for the women. That wasn't for the men. <laughs> um, I guess that
1: wasn't a fair question.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's like
2: oh man, you
0: know.
1: <laughs> okay, well then I've got one you can answer. I will say okay.
0: the one about the Williams sisters' father. They focus a lot on. The, I think I, it's one of the tennis academies in Florida, but I don't think it's voluntary It's another. It's another one of them. Yeah, Rick Macy. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah,
2: Rick Macy, yeah.
0: So that's a big part of the movie, their time in Florida.
2: I got to see that. I'm, I'm embarrassed that I haven't seen that yet.
0: I think I ran into you during COVID quarantine in line at Alation getting a to go. So do you have a favorite brewery
2: in the area? Uh, yes, I like, I like Smart Mouth. I think I like the most. They're supporters of our men's program, by the way. <laughs> but I, I like all the, I like all the breweries around here. I actually haven't been drinking that much beer the last couple of years since COVID. I think I drank too much beer sent at, at during COVID. You know that initial shutdown. Yeah. You know that that springtime. You know, going into summer when everybody was really shut down. You know, like that April May. Right. Routine, yeah. You know, so I don't know. I might I might have bearded myself out then. You know, I'm not sure. <laughs> Well, when we when we talk with Ricky, he, we fit, figured out that he's a big fan
1: of the colch. If, if if me, you, Mike, and the rest of the Monarchists were coming up with our, you know, Monarchist brew, what would it, tell us what it would be? I
2: mean, you know, I'll usually, you know, I'll, I'll usually start with an IPA, and then I'll, if I, if I got to slow down, I'll go the lager route. I'll go the lager route. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not going to go Kolsch style. That's a little, that's a little too <laughs> light for me, I don't know. <laughs> Uh-oh.
1: Hopefully Ricky's not going to listen to this one. <laughs> Speaking of other coaches, if you had to pick one of your fellow coaches at Old Dominion to be what you would think to be the most formidable tennis player that you would have to face, if you had to pick one of those who you think is the best player, who
0: would they be and why? Obviously you can't pick Tom Miller, obviously. Yeah, yeah. It can't
1: be. Well, it can't be be a tennis
2: coach, you can't be a I, coach. I can't beat I can't beat Dom Mueller anyway so I would say ciao I bet you Fred from volleyball is probably good you know his dad's a player I know that I saw Fred walking in here the other day and I don't know if he saw me but he had like a vintage racket you know you don't really have that the racket he had and the way he was holding it it's like oh man he's a, he's a player he knows what he's doing I haven't seen him hit a ball but I think Fred could be pretty good you know, I bet you Ricky's good. You know, Ivy League guy. You know, he he probably knows how to play tennis. I don't know. It's just my gut. <laughs> oh. You know, Bruce Bruce Stewart plays a lot of tennis. You know, he's he's he comes in here and plays quite a bit, actually. Yeah. Really? And Ted Ted Alexander used to be a tennis teaching professional. Learned something new every day. Yeah, Blaine Taylor Blaine Taylor was a high school tennis coach. I learned what? that. To, I yeah, Blaine told me that today. I couldn't believe it. Oh, man. So,
0: keep it on the fun one. We've been asking everybody, everyone loves music. Do you have a favorite musical artist and do you have a bucket list concert you want to go to?
2: Man, I listen to all types of music, literally all types of music. You know, slipknot, country, raps. You know, on the way over here, I was listening to Billy Strings, you know, kind of a, a bluegrass guy. I really like him. But I think if I could see anybody right now, I mean just to see i'd probably like to see like jay-z and beyonce maybe you know, you know jay-z's getting a little old you know i'd like to see him before it's not that you know he's not there yet i've seen kanye seen kendrick seen lil wayne seen drake never seen jay though so i'd like i think i'd like to see him and obviously beyonce queen bee that'd be cool to see her so i think i think that's okay. who i'd like to see everybody mm-hmm. else think i could everybody else think i could pull off in some way else you know all the people i think i can see billy strings in virginia beach at the end of the summer or something but man i don't know how i'm going to see jay-z and
0: billy strings tore the roof off the of ted earlier this year
2: oh yeah oh yeah dude he's, he's he's great man he's great
0: and i i think someone from the ted told me that they're planning on trying to get him back for multiple nights because of how popular that show was
2: oh fantastic that's great and
0: all the beer they
2: sold <laughs> yeah i bet it's a good it's a, it's a, fiduciary for sure so i in there he's in virginia beach with willie nelson i think yep, yep. yeah i think can, i think that's my list you know then maybe maybe like garth brooks or something you know like eight-time entertainer country music of the year or something yeah that'd be a good one so coach
0: this is a fan made podcast for the fan if you could ask monarch fan to do one thing to help keep the success of ODU women's tennis at the
2: level you have built what would it be well, I would, I would, you know, first of all, I'd tell, you know, I think it'd be thanks, you know, thanks for making us uh, relevant ODU. Thanks for making women's tennis relevant at ODU. You know, we're a very good team, but, you know, there's a lot of very good teams, a lot of very good women's tennis teams that are very silent on their campuses. And, you know, Old Dominion, it's it's been very different for us, you know, you know, our Old Dominion women's tennis is, is relevant in, in Old Dominion athletics. So thank you very much for that. You know, that's, that's a lot because of the fans is because your shares of posting, you know, we post something, you guys share it, you guys follow us, you come to our matches. We're one of the most attended teams in the country when it comes to attendance for women's tennis matches, for sure. You know, and I think it's just things like that. So just please just keep sharing our posts, sharing our stories and come and coming to the matches. And thank you so much for making women's tennis relevant here at Old Dominion.
1: Absolutely coach. And hopefully before next season, we can get you to come back on, maybe give us a little preview. Of what's to come, and get Monarch Nation excited to come out and actually see
2: one of your uh, one or more of your matches in person. That'd be fantastic. Thanks so much, guys.
0: All right, thanks for coming Absolutely. on, Coach.
2: Go Monarchs.
0: Go Monarchs. Go Monarchs.